This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful you are joining us today. Today, you're listening to episode 385, and my guest is Kendall Ellis. Really excited to bring a track and field athlete to the podcast today. Kendall runs for New Balance, and she made her first Olympic team last summer in Tokyo. She won the bronze in the mixed gender 4x4 and a gold medal in the women's 4x4 relay. She also finished fourth in the open 400 meters at the trial, so barely missed making it as an individual in the 400. Kendall also has a gold medal in the 4x4 at the 2019 and 2017 World Championships. She ran for USC, where she was a three-time NCAA champion, 14-time All-American, and she is training hard now for the World Championships this summer. And right around the time we recorded this podcast, she was part of the world's fastest indoor distance medley relay team ever. Past guest Heather McLean was also on that team. I really enjoyed getting to know Kendall and I'm so excited to cheer for her in future track events. Make sure you go follow her on Instagram if you aren't already doing that. She is Kendi underscore Kendall over there. All right, friends, this episode of the podcast is supported by Viore. And this is an athletic brand that I have been wearing for four years now. I love their clothes. They're simple, they're stylish, and they are so comfortable. If you're going to start anywhere with Viore, I would 100% start with their performance joggers. I have three pair and I'm wearing the black ones right now, actually. All of their apparel is designed to work out in, but doesn't look or feel like it. They have great men's apparel as well. My husband wears a lot of Viore, and I'm excited to share a 20% off discount for you all. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but you can enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Just go to Viore, V-U-O-R-I.com slash another and discover this amazing brand. That is viori.com slash another, and that 20% will be automatically applied to your purchase at checkout, uh, and that is for first orders. All right, friends, please enjoy my conversation with Kendall Ellis. All right. Well, today on the podcast, we have Kendall Ellis on the show. Welcome to the show, Kendall. Thanks for having me. How's your day going? What does your day look like? Uh, my day's just getting going. It's like 10 a.m. in L.A., so I had an off day from practice, so I'm just slow morning, slow morning. What does an off day look like for you? Um, It's normally the day that I kind of get all my appointments in uh, during the season. It's the day that I travel, so headed to the airport, getting on the plane, and doing that, but since I'm not competing just yet, it's just an easy day for me. Wake up whenever I want, uh, maybe do like some treatment and just whatever I need to get done for the week that I couldn't get done earlier. And what are you training for right now? World Championships, which are in June. I should know. I want to say June or July. It's like late June, right? I think so. (laughs) Yes. 
Will you have any races that you compete in before then? Yeah. Um, I competed at Texas Relays the end of March. Um, I just ran an indoor race in Boston a few days ago. And then I will compete at LSU, maybe California, about like four or five meets to get going before I run at trials. And how are you feeling? So you listeners, Kendall ran in her first Olympics last summer. So how are you feeling riding off of that going into this uh, world championship summer? Yeah, just really excited. You know, it, it kind of gives you a sense of you've been on the biggest stage you could possibly be on before. So like nothing else can compare to that. Nothing compares to the Olympics. Like world championships are important, but the Olympics are the pinnacle of our sport. So um, it's just, it, it's like another, another stepping stone to the 2024 Olympics, but I'm excited. It gives me a lot of confidence. It lets me know that like I've been on a huge stage before, so this is nothing different and to just go in with the same mentality. You know, it's interesting to hear you say that because, so I started this podcast six years ago and I learned a lot over the last six years about like world teams and things like that, because for like mm-hmm. the common person, People don't know as much about world teams. They know about the Olympics. Yeah. But it's but the world teams are a huge deal. So it's interesting yeah. to hear someone who's ran in the Olympics still say, but the Olympics are <laughs> are the king, queen, yeah, king. They are. Like every everyone wants to be an Olympic medalist. Everyone wants to say they're an Olympian. World championships are important, especially because they come more frequently than the Olympics do. World champs every two years. Um But at the end of the day, everyone wants to say, I'm an Olympian, especially because, like you said, most people know more about the Olympics than they do world championships. Yeah. Um, Tell us a little bit about your history. So Kendall's a 400 meter runner. She ran in the Olympics in the four by four women's race, as well as the mixed gender race. So tell us about your history with the 400 and your love for running, how it got started. Yeah, I've been running since I was seven years old. Um, If my mother tells the story, she said that I kept coming home from elementary and telling her how fast I was, (laughs) meeting all the boys. And she's like, okay, let's let's go see what we can do with this. Um, In my story, I said I wanted to travel. I don't know where I thought I was going at seven years old, but I said I wanted to travel. And the next thing I knew, I was running laps. Um, So either way, the story goes. I started running when I was young, and I I knew I was good at it. I was well aware that, like, I was talented and I was good, but I didn't really know just how good or, like, what you could do with that. I didn't know professional track and field was really a thing outside of the Olympics. Um, So I ran throughout elementary, middle school, High school is where I was kind of like, okay, I can get a scholarship for this and I can get school paid for. Um, So I ended up getting a scholarship to and decided to go to USC, University of Southern California, not South Carolina. And I ran there all four years, um, signed a professional contract with New Balance. And I've been doing that professionally for, this is my fourth season with them. Um, I started out like every little kid in AAU doing like every event, 100, 200, 400 relays, just ton of energy. And I am a taller girl. So it ended up getting like older and lanky and figuring out your body. The 400 was just like the best fit for me. Um, It's still my favorite event now, clearly. Okay. So you're from Florida though, right? Yes, I am. Okay. Sisters growing up. 
I have two older sisters. I'm the baby. And okay. I love being the youngest. Do they run? No, we all started out in basketball, actually. Um, my dad is like six, 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 seven, and he played basketball. So I think that's naturally what we kind of grew up with watching basketball um, on TV. So we all started playing basketball and I was kind of like, you know, the youngest child, wild child out of the box. And I was like, I don't want to play basketball. Like, I don't really like team sports. So <laughs> went to go find something else to do and track was it. What's the team your dad had you cheering for when you guys were growing up? Um, from Florida. So probably Miami Heat okay. <laughs> at that point. Like, yeah, it was really, we didn't have any loyalty. I always picked like whoever was winning at the time and the color of the uniforms. So. <laughs> I have a good friend who's a big Duke fan and like literally she's just a Duke fan because she liked the color of their uniforms when she was yeah. seven and it just stuck. And now she's like diehard in her thirties. <laughs> Understood. <laughs> um, what about your mom? Is your mom into sports or running or anything? No, she's very competitive, but she was not an athlete growing up. I think my parents definitely had a sense of they wanted all of us to be well-rounded. Mm. So it was very much like you had to get straight A's, you had to play sport, and you had to play an instrument. And one of the three was going to get you somewhere, if not all three. So they were very, very adamant about making sure their daughters uh, were well-rounded. So I love that. One of the three is going to get you somewhere. So did your sisters, <laughs> like, did they find their love in one of the other three? Yeah, they're both teachers, actually. Okay. Um, so, yeah, they went the teaching route. My parents are also both teachers. And then there's me, like I said, the odd one out, <laughs> the professional athlete. What instrument did you pick? We all, again, started out with piano, the three of us. And then I was like, I'm bored. I don't want to do this. So I played, they played clarinet through middle school. And then I played trumpet just because it had to be the different one always. Um, I'm so curious. I love talking to high performers and hearing like what um, their childhood was like as far as like how their parents uh, encouraged them to work hard, but not maybe um, in a way that like overloaded them and overwhelmed them. So I'm curious how your parents handled seeing that you had a gift and a talent for running and encouraging you. But like, what did that look like? Yeah, it was very, my parents have never put pressure on me, um, ever. I think the second that if I no longer want to run, they will be fully on board with that. And I think they did a really good job of just, like I said, I was their first child who was really into the sport. Um, so I don't think they, I'm not even sure they necessarily knew how good I was. I feel like now it's still kind of surprised or it's like, oh my gosh, like our daughter's an Olympian. But <laughs> I don't think they necessarily knew how good I was or that, like, how far this could go. Um, so they never put pressure on me. And I remember my, maybe when I was about 10, I just wasn't interested in the sport. I was like, I don't want to do it. Like, I'm not really having, I just don't want to. And my parents were like, okay, well, you're not going to run this year because, like, you're acting like you don't want to do it. You don't want to go to practice. You're complaining. You're not going to do it. And I remember being devastated. Like, I was crying. I was like, no, like, I'll do, like, I'll, I'll act like I want to do it, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, like, set up this year. And if you feel like you want to do it next year, then okay. Um, ended up backfiring on them because I was like, I love this time off. Like, I don't have to go to practice. I don't have to do anything. So I took another year off. Um, but came back. And, yeah, they just, they've never put pressure on me. It's always been, if you want to do this, you can. Um, you are talented for it. And like I said, they were very confident in their children being well-rounded. So it was never, track was never the end-all be-all. 
I think once I graduated, it was like, okay, so when are you going to get your MBA? And I was like, okay, I just graduated like last week. Like, can I have a second? So yeah, they've, they've supported me in it for sure. From day one, it's always been fun. It's always been, um, if she wants to, she can, if she doesn't want to, then she doesn't have to. Okay. So let's talk about choosing to go to USC and what that looked like. Yeah, I was, I think, number one or number two in the nation um, when it was time for me to pick a school. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, it's, so essentially I have my pick of the litter. I could choose wherever I wanted to go, except for any school in Texas. No school in Texas recruited me. I still don't know why to this day. Not a single school. I didn't get a letter. I didn't get a questionnaire. I don't know. And I loved, I love the state of Texas. And literally like every other state. I mean, was it overwhelming? Like, how do you even process all those recruits? It was, I was really excited about it. Cause every time I get a letter, I have like a little box that I like put them all in. And like, I think I still have it in my childhood home. And it was just kind of like, wow. Like I had no idea that this was a thing in track and field. I didn't know you could run in college. I didn't know that like, this is how the process worked because I had never seen it before. And it was new for my parents as well. So like they were excited. We were getting home visits and they were just calling. Wow. It was really, really like, wow, like everybody wants me. Like this is such a cool feeling. Um, so I knew that I um, wanted to go to a school that had high academics and high athletics. That was very important to me during my recruiting process. And I had met the head coach at the time, Coach Carroll, she was at UCF, um, which is a school in Florida. And I met her. I loved her. But I was like, I don't want to stay in Florida. It's just mm. not. I want to go somewhere different. I want to try something new and see what it's like for four years. And fate would have it that she ended up moving schools to USC. And that was a done deal for me. I was wow. Like, what are the morning, odds? Right. So it was, it was beautiful timing, worked out great, and I got to go to the state I wanted to be in and the coach I wanted to be with. Did she remain your coach throughout all of college? Yeah, she was my coach all four years, um, along with Quincy Watts, who was like, she was a head coach, yes, but primarily worked with sprints, the short sprinters, and then Coach Watts would work with the quarter milers. So do you still keep in contact? Yeah. Yeah, now she's at Georgia as the head coach over there, but Coach Watts is still at USC, so that's where I still train with him. What part of Florida did you grow up in? It's called Pembroke Pines. It's okay. a small city between Fort Lauderdale and Miami. Okay, so South Florida. Yeah. Okay, so, okay. so um, you're still in California. Yeah. Will you I'm ever not- leave? I am hoping to. Uh, <laughs> I'm hoping to. Yeah, I didn't expect to go pro. I didn't expect to be here for this is year number eight, I think, at this wow. point. Yeah, I was I was really only counting on those four years of school, but I love Coach Watts. We have a great working relationship, so it's still working and I'm still running well, so I don't see myself leaving until my career is done. See, I find that so interesting that you say you didn't see yourself going pro, being like the number, like what the top recruit <laughs> in high school to college and then being like a million time, a three time NCAA <laughs> champion and just like having such a successful college career. The fact that you didn't think you'd go pro is surprising to me. Yeah, I think it's just uh, such like a a tough <laughs> question for me. I I don't know. I guess I think growing up, 
I wasn't aware that professional track and field was a thing. I just, I knew the Olympics happened, but I didn't know that there were other meets. I didn't know there were world championships. I didn't realize that this was people's profession. Um, And then I think you kind of, I had a sense of not being good enough for a very, very long time. So for me, when I was in high school, I was like, okay, I'm just going to run so I can get college paid for. That's, that's why I'm going to run. So someone can pay for my school. And then in college, I don't think it hit until my junior year when I made the world team. Mm. I was like, okay, I'm good enough to go professional. Like now that I've made the team, I've seen something in me that means that I'm capable and I'm good enough. So, hey, let's try going pro and see and see what that's like. So it's never been like a long standing thing since a child. Like I knew I was going to be an Olympian. I knew I wanted to go professional. It's been at each level of my career. Something has shown me like, okay, I'm capable of doing it. Do you think that's like taking pressure off for, you know, like people that say like, I've always wanted to run in the Olympics or I always had this like lifelong dream. Seems like there'd be like this big pressure there, but you kind of just taken it like step by step. Mm hmm. I don't know if it relieves any pressure for me because of how much anxiety I've had surrounding track and field. Okay. So for me, it's been a sense of seeing these things telling me that I'm good enough and that I'm capable. And then my head's like, okay, well, now you have to do it since you're capable. Like you're you're capable of doing it. So now you have to live up to these Mm. expectations that you have placed on yourself and that you're putting in your head. Where does the anxiety come from and when does it pop up? I have always had it since I started running track when I was seven. It's it's always been present and it's definitely been managed over the years with the help of a sports psychologist who I absolutely love, um, been proponent of therapy. So he has helped me immensely being able to overcome that. And it comes, I think now I've managed it to the point where like it only comes from major competitions. I think all athletes get nervous when it comes time to compete because it it means you care about it. You care about what you're doing. But for me, it was to the point where it was like debilitating. Like I would be crying. I'd be Mm. throwing up. It was just the whole kind of production before I have to compete. And at that point I'm so emotionally and essentially physically drained that I'm not performing to the best of my ability. But now I can say it's it's major competitions where like the nerves will come and then the tools and the tactics my therapist has given me to deal with it and combat it um, have been super, super helpful. Wow, that's intense to yeah. be going through that before competition. <laughs> yeah. Was that like a college thing? Were you walking through that during your pro career where you were like physically throwing up? Yeah, it's it's I think each level it's gotten better. Okay. Um But yeah, I remember in college, especially like freshman year, it was just so overwhelming for me and feeling like I had to run these certain times or I had to beat these certain people or else like I wasn't going to be good enough or they were going to be disappointed in me. And it was just so much pressure. And and I cracked almost like every time, you know, I was still performing well, well enough, but not to the standards and not what we all knew I was capable of doing. So did you, um, you know, you kind of mentioned like how you didn't even really pay attention or realize that people ran professionally and like this was their job and things like that. And I'm always so curious and I think social media makes it easier to follow the sport, right? Like people Mm -hmm. get invested. So like as a high school student, were you following the college scene? And as a college student, were you following the pro scene? Like, did you know who Allison Felix was? Like, were you paying attention and whatnot? I knew 
I don't even remember when I got social media. I think maybe I got Instagram <laughs> like freshman year or sophomore year of high school. It makes me feel old. Um, but I remember not being super interested because, because I didn't have a desire to go pro or like, I didn't have a desire to run beyond like, oh, I want school paid for. Mm. I just wasn't really interested. I think the first Olympics I watched was probably 2016. Wow. Because we had a family friend running. Um, so I like watched his race and that was like, it. I was like, yeah, I'm good. Like, I'm not interested in seeing the rest, but I do remember high school. I went to the same high school as Sonia Richards Ross. Okay. And that was like really important for me. And I loved having that connection to her. She was also like raised in Pembroke Pines. So I was like, yeah, like I love this. Um, so big, big fan of her growing up for sure. And of course I knew who Allison Felix was and it was just kind of like, a from a distance kind of vibe being like, Oh, like I know these athletes and they're so great at what they do. Um, cool. Never like that could be me or I hope to compete against them one day. It was just like very much having respect for how talented they are. So has it sunk in? <laughs> <laughs> Finally, it only took like 15 years. But yeah. Now I think now, that I'm really in the sport and that I, I, you know, I've competed with and against Allison Felix. Like that is so surreal to me seeing somebody who I like was growing up watching. And now it's like, you know, my name, like we have each other on Instagram. Like, it's just so it's, it's crazy to look at like how far you've come and how it's really like all come full circle. But yeah, it's finally sunk in. It's finally like realizing I'm here. I belong here. I'm supposed to be here and I'm one of the best. You are. Um, I, you know, in prepping for this interview, I watched the viral video of, you know what I'm going to say? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) The 4x4 2018 NCAA uh, championship when you just like close like crazy on Purdue. And for anybody listening, we will link this video um, in the show notes. I was explaining it to my husband on our run this morning and I was like, you just have to watch it. It is literally the most insane clothes I've ever seen. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about that race. Yeah. Um, my senior year, uh, I had already lost the Open 400 previously that day. I got second. And I was really upset about that. I'm really disappointed about it because it's it's my last time in that collegiate uniform. Um, we had never won a team championship that since I had been there. And we had been working for it for the past, like, four years. So I remember uh, Coach Carol, like, the four of us are walking out. And she's like, you know what to do. And I'm like, we got you. Like, don't worry about it. We got you. Um, man, it was so long ago. But, like, the, yeah, we go out and, you know, I'm watching them, them run, half watching because I'm getting nervous watching them. And uh, what people, people don't see a lot in the clip, I think, depending on, like, how you see it or it gets cut off. But my third leg, Deanna Hill, she, I don't know what happened with our baton handoff, but, like, it was a mishap and, like, it wasn't in my hand or it touched my hand and then it wasn't. So that, like, put us behind um but yeah I'm just like I just remember thinking don't let the baton hit the ground like as long as the baton ends up in my hand at some point we're gonna win, win this race and um I remember running and not really fully realizing how far ahead Purdue was just kind of focusing on myself and my own lane and my race and being like I'm I'm confident that we can win this thing um 
got to like 200 and realized like I'm not tired yet like I'm good I'm not tired it's all good and just kind of kicked it into another gear and across the line I didn't realize that we had won I was like it was a really really close <laughs> close finish so I was kind of just standing there like did we do it did we do it did we do it and then finally my teammates they came over hugged me and that's and I was like we won like we did it like after four years of working towards this goal we have finally won a team championship and I don't think I realized I didn't know the video would go viral like I said I wasn't sure how far ahead she was oh my god was that but yeah the love that came in the next like three days after that that race was like insane do you know what your split was on that 400 50.0 is that like insane for for a relay split (laughs) I mean, the way girls are running now, it's like standard, but <laughs> yeah, it was, no, it was definitely a fast split for sure. Um, I think my fast was like the year before, um, 49.6, but I'm like okay. the way, the way things played out, you couldn't have written like a better storybook ending. Like it just, it, it worked out like perfectly. We won by like one point. We needed this relay. It was like a photo finish. So yeah, it was definitely a great end to my senior year. Um, and then I couldn't have asked for a better ending. Hey friends, a quick break here to share with you about a product I'm loving, Portland Bee Balm. Beyond the amazing quality of their balm, Portland Bee Balm is committed to creating sustainable products, which is hugely important to me. They are members of 1% for the planet, which means they donate 1% of revenue to organizations tackling our planet's most pressing environmental issues. This is so cool. Products that are useful, natural, and add value to people's lives and the world. Portland Bee Balm provides the best hydration for your lips with clean and simple ingredients. Since I put balm on my lips multiple times throughout the day, it is very important to me that the products I'm using are clean and effective. Portland Bee Balm has so many different varieties of scents, but my favorite is the Organ Mint. The ingredients they source and the packaging they use all support health and well-being to the environment and community. So awesome. You all can go to portlandbeebalm.com and use the code SANDYBOY for 20% off your first order. All right, friends, back to the show. So I like kind of specialize in interviewing longer distance runners, marathoners. I've had track athletes on the show. Like I've had Tiana Barletto on the show right. and I'm um, trying to think of other sprinters I've had. I've had other field athletes on like mm-hmm. Christian Taylor, Michelle Carter. I'm trying to think of the other sprinter sprinters though. <laughs> it might just be Tiana. So I'm not as well versed in the like shorter distance stuff. So mm-hmm. kind of can you give us an idea of what real training looks like for a 400 meter Olympic caliber athlete? Yeah. Um, I train Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. So like five days out of the week, maybe four. Um, I lift twice a week. And then I say Monday is like, it's everyone's like hard day. Like Monday's always hard for everybody. Tuesday is more of a technique day, kind of working on those little aspects of the races and just details. Um, Wednesday is a sprint day for me. And then Thursday is my recovery. Friday is my block day. And then Saturday will probably be another like harder workout. 
Um, so yeah, I work out five days a week, maybe four if I'm lucky. But it's um, it's definitely intense. I think my coach always likes to say like it in order to be great, like you have to be bored, and it's really a lifestyle. And I I 100% agree because after practice, even though you know I'm working out in the morning and I'm probably done with my day by like 1 p.m. I don't want to go anywhere. I don't want to do anything. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I have to, it's my job to get home, uh, refuel properly, take care of my body and get ready to do it again the next day. So it very much is a whole lifestyle commitment, a 24 seven kind of job, even if I'm only on the track for like two, three hours a day. Do you do, do you take Sundays totally off? Yes. Do you love that? (laughs) I love it. I love it. I take Sundays off, but then it's like, you know, they say the Sunday scary is like thinking about what Monday's workout is going to be. Do you know ahead of time? Do you do you like have a schedule laid out or does, do you show up and coaches like this is what we're doing? No, thankfully, I know we get our workouts like Sunday evening. Okay. So thank oh, that yeah, is Sunday scary though. <laughs> it's, it's so bittersweet. Like I love it because it lets me know like, okay, here's how I need to eat. Here's when I can schedule this. Or like, it's a better day if I do this on that day, blah, blah, blah. So I love it for that aspect. But there are some weeks where it's like, I'm working out on Monday and I'm like, man, I know what's coming on Saturday. Like I already know how bad that workout is going to hurt, but you know, I rather know than not know. Okay. So give, you know, cause like, like I said, I, I focus on the longer distance and I'm most listeners when we talk like to marathoners and even like 5,000, 10,000 meter runners, we know the like lingo for workouts and stuff like that. <laughs> like, Oh, I'm doing eight by a K things like that. So give us like an example of what, like a good, like a, a hard, workout session looks like for you? I mean, compared to marathoners and distance running, it's going to sound like a piece of cake. (laughs) No, but it's so fast though. It's like so intense. It's just totally different. Yeah. And I mean, I know for my training group, I am not a dis. We're not a distance-based training group. Okay. So I know there are some groups that like will run like 2200s or like really like heavy volume-based. That is not me. Um, We will have some workouts that are like two hot 150s okay and then that's my workout for the day um one that I really like is three to four uh 300s I love repeat reps we'll do two by 250 we'll do I know Saturday I have 160 160 160 and then 450 um which is like far for me oh yeah 450 (laughs) that sounds miserable kind of we're getting into distance um but yeah, it it really just varies in like it how what we have for that week. If we're train, if we're in a heavy training load, if we're in a lighter load, if we're competing that week. But yeah, those are those are some of my favorites. I love like two one fifties or like repeat three hundreds. That's kind of my sweet spot. Do you ever like um, run like three miles, like just like jog? <laughs> <laughs> I will say, when I was younger, I did a ton of five Ks. That okay. was like the norm. That's how we spent like summer. I did like the Thanksgiving turkey trot, like the Christmas 5K. That was like, I loved running 5Ks and that was the norm for me. And even in high school, I kind of did train with like the 800 meter runners. Okay. So I'm capable of running distances. I just haven't done it in so long. Like I, I, I try to say like, oh, like, let me just go for like a 20 minute job like during off season and it, I probably make it to like three minutes but that's wraps <laughs> do you get bored not even I just get tired yeah and I have it I have an issue of trying to be like 
I don't want all these cars to see me passing and think I'm like running slow. Like I'm an Olympian. <laughs> like I'm, I promise this is what I do. But so yeah, it's it's just too much. It's too much. But if I could have someone like pace me and just show me the proper way to run for like 15, 20 minutes, maybe I'd be in business. That's funny. Um, what about weight days? Like I'm sure that's such a huge focus for sprinters. You have to be so mm-hmm. powerful. Yeah. I used to hate the weight room. Uh, I remember in college, like I just did not enjoy going because I had never lifted in high school. So it was definitely new territory for me. And it was just, it just, everything felt so heavy. Everything felt hard. But now that I've like learned proper technique and I've learned to like really embrace the weight room and like see how much it can benefit you on the track. Uh, I really enjoy our weight sessions. We have a great weight room coach. And like I said, we only do it twice a week. Um, I think in in the fall we'll do three times a week, but now with like travel and season, it's cut back to two. Um, and it's just it's it's great to see like how how far we can push ourselves and comparing like PRs from last season to now or like where I was at in this point of time to this year. It's like okay, how much how much heavier can we go? Like how much can we lift? So it's cool, and I think we all have a really my training group has a really competitive spirit. So it's it's great being surrounded by people who like want to succeed just as much as you do. I never think about it with lifting because everybody always talks about like having a training group to run with is so important because you you kind of like feed off each other's energy and if someone's pushing hard you kind of stick with them. I never think about that with lifting. Yeah. No, definitely. Like we we lift like right across from each other like on the platform so it's just like watching them kill on a certain rep it's like okay like my turn now it's my turn to do it so yeah we have a competitive spirit and like on the track off the track in the weight room so who do you train with I train with Michael Norman Rye Benjamin Angelina Nellis Candace Hill Sammy Watson Isaiah Jewett I'm trying to make sure and Kyra Constantine okay forget anyone yeah I think it's like nine of us Okay. I have interviewed Isaiah. Yeah. He's so fun. He is. He really is. He was just like, I don't know. He, I was, I was like, not surprised. I was not expecting the interview that I got out of it. And I was like, this was so much fun. I didn't, I didn't know as much about like his other quirky things he was interested in. And it was really good. Yeah. He's so, he's fun. He's definitely a bright look at practice for sure. Oh, that's good. Okay. So you're sponsored by New Balance. Mm-hmm. And that's been four years, huh? Yeah, that's yeah, exciting. Four years now. Yeah, talk to us about the partnership and um, you know getting your first sponsorship and things like that, and what your relationship looks like. Yeah, um, I knew when I was going pro that I really wanted a company that like didn't just make me feel like a number, it didn't just make me feel like another athlete. I wanted to feel like I was part of the family. I wanted to feel like I was valued as more than just on the track, like as a person. So when my agent told me that New Balance was interested, I was like, oh, perfect. Like, I didn't even need to hear any other details. I was like, yeah, no, like I want New Balance. He's like, okay, like let's like see the contract and like that kind of stuff. But yeah, I just, I love how it has felt like a community and like a true family. And I remember when I originally signed, it was just like an outpouring of love from all the other athletes, mm-hmm. from the higher ups. Like I know the person who signs my checks. Like I've met him face to face. We've had conversations. It's always a congratulations after races. So it really feels 
And I know that I am cared for and I'm valued and my opinions are heard. I love having an input on what goes on, like in terms of like uniform or asking my opinion about how I like this spike or this shape, like what, what do I want and what do I need in order to perform the very best I can. Um, I just, I love it. I love the community. I love being with, I don't want to say a smaller brand because it's still like a powerhouse, but you know, it's not as, I think when people think of shoe companies and athletes assignment, it's like always Nike and Adidas. But I knew I didn't want that. I knew I wanted something different. I knew I wanted to help build something and create a sprint culture at New Balance. So that's been a lot of fun over these past four years and just the relationships that that we have with with everybody and just getting to know. I love it. Like I know I love knowing the higher ups. I think that is so cool to me that like you have a face and you have a name and you have their contact and you can call them up and ask questions and discuss things. So it's been great. It's been a great four years. That's so cool. A sprint culture at New Balance, because are you in a wave of sprinters that are kind of like um, bringing up New Balance sprinters? I mean, I'm trying to think of athletes before your time who were sprint. I mean, because you do think you do associate sprinters with Nike a lot. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think we have Trayvon Bromel, Vernon Norwood, Taylor McLaughlin, Cindy McLaughlin, Gabby and myself. Okay. So that's the core group. Have a little, yeah, it's, we're creating a sprint culture at New Balance and I'm really like proud and excited to be part of it. Cause you know, they're, they've been primarily distance. So, um, being that like face of the sprinter and China, like, no, like they have sprint spikes and they have like sprinters who are in the game and killing it. So I like being a part of that. It's kind of cool to be like, um, you know, like the, the, people that are like starting it out you know like to not just like jump into what's already happening and to Mm -hmm. be able to be that voice that's really cool yeah no I love it I'm definitely happy to be part and if I'm being honest like New Balance has the best clothes I agree (laughs) they're so the the style is so much better than most other brands 100% and I was just saying that the other day like I love a matching set I love like the shoe collabs we have so yeah I agree I'm on board (laughs) Um, okay, we have to talk about your first Olympics and, you know, I'm sure it was super bittersweet coming in fourth in the open yeah. 400, which I don't even like bringing things like that up, but we have to talk about it. We do. We do. Um, yeah, like you said, it was so bittersweet, like being so close, like fourth place, like not even like fifth or sixth, like being so close and and really that entire year, I was like, I'm going to make it. Like, I can do it. I'm going to be on the podium. Like, this is it. And then to come, like, milliseconds of not making the Open 400 was really, really disappointing. Um, but I can say, oh, can I say I'm over Um, I can say that. Like, I, I think I definitely accepted it fairly quickly. I was like, okay, it happened. We're disappointed about it. But we're still going. At the end of the day, we are still going to Tokyo. You have the chance to come home with a medal. Like, let's focus on that. Um, so it was it was sad in the fact that I wasn't going to be in the Open 400. But I kind of just took it as like, okay, maybe, maybe you weren't quite ready for the Open. Maybe you were supposed to get your first experience in the Olympics as part of a relay. So 2024, you can come back confident, ready, prepared, and, and dominate in the Open. Um, and I think the Olympics as a whole was just kind of 
largely bittersweet because, you know, we didn't get to have fans. We mm-hmm. couldn't have spectators. I couldn't have my family there to support for the first time. So that was very disappointing. Um, it's a massive time difference. So like calling them when I can and like checking in and getting support that way. But I, on the flip side, it is the Olympics. It was very, very exciting to be there and get to see all these talented athletes. And it's like crazy. You're in the dining hall, like you're going to win a gold medal tomorrow. Like that is just so insane and crazy to just think of because like it really humanizes athletes that you Mm -hmm. see on TV. And it's like, Oh, we're, we're in the same position. Like we're all just, we're all here. Like we're all human. We're, we're all like doing a sport that we love and that we really enjoy and hoping to, to get a medal from it. But yeah, it was really, really grounding and humbling. Just be like, you're here you are here and you're supposed to be here and soak in this experience for all it has to offer. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Like you were saying the humanizing part, like Mm. I think we think of these athletes and I mean, as for me, just a normal person, (laughs) I mean, I'm saying you, it's like you, you do put these athletes on a pedestal. Like you're doing superhuman, what seems to be superhuman things to the average you know, person walking around, but you still have like your daily struggles and anxieties and fears and other things that you love outside of the track. And so, um, hearing you say that as someone who's actually there competing (laughs) about the other people is interesting to me. Yeah. It's just, it's just so, it's just so interesting. I think I met, um, Simone Manuel, the swimmer, and I was like, oh my gosh, like, you're so, like, I see you on Instagram, like, I see you in articles, like, you're, like, so cool, you're, like, killing it. And then just for her to, like, come and sit with us and, like, have lunch, I'm like, wow, like, this is, you too are normal, like, you too are human. And it just, yeah, I think even other athletes that sometimes you can kind of forget and get, like, caught up in, in the press that we see in the social media. And it's like, oh, yeah, like, you are, you are not so different from the rest of us as well. Mm. So you ran on the mixed gender team mm-hmm. and for the bronze medal. And then for the four by four women's team, you ran the prelims and you walk away with a gold medal. Yes. Okay. Tell <laughs> us about that. Cause I don't know if a lot of people know about how the relay systems work. Yeah. Um, so you said the mixed relay was two women, two men, and I was on the final for that. Um, so that was really cool. I have never done a mixed relay before. It's a little intimidating, like knowing that you can get the baton from a man or like you're passing off to a man, just kind of figuring out like just how fast to go. Um, but it was a lot of fun. It was it was really a lot of fun. It was a good experience and it was something different. I think something like new and fun. Yeah. Is this the first year for it? Was that the first year for it? It was the first Olympics. I think okay. they did it 2019 for Doha Worlds. Okay. But yeah, that was definitely the first Olympic. So it was just fun. It was just, it was just a lot of fun. And, you know, I trained my training partners for a long time were just Michael and Rye, two men. So it was like kind of fun to get back thrown into that. Like, okay, we're running with men again. Um, and then as far as how the relay works, like the four by four, America is just so deep in talent. Like there's so many of us who are capable of running a great relay. So we have the benefit of being able to like swap out athletes from prelims to finals so that's what we did we swapped I ran the prelims um got them into the final and then whoever runs the prelims and the final they also get a medal if if the final team places that's good 
Yeah, definitely. Were you bummed to not run in the final? Another a-hole question maybe, but I'm just curious. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's fair. It's true. It's real. I think, yeah, for sure I was, but it wasn't surprising for me. So it wasn't mm. something that like, it was a shock. It was like, oh my gosh, like I'm not on it. It's kind of something that like, I'm very well aware of how much talent we have yeah. in the US. So it's like, and you have the 800 meter gold medalists and you have the this gold and silver 400 meter hurdles who can also give you a great relay leg. It's It's hard to be like, no, I should be on here. You know, like if I had made it in the open 400 and like medal than that, then it's like, okay, yeah, like I deserve to be on here. But we just have so much talent that it's like, you could almost take any four American women and put them on a relay together and we're probably going to come out with the gold. That's just how talented we are. So it, I think it makes it that much special, that much more special when you are on the final. It's like, okay, like I really did something like I'm here out of all the women they could have chosen. They chose me. So talk about that pressure though. Like knowing like I have to get through these prelims, like no dropped baton, (laughs) none of that, nothing bad can happen to like knowing that the American women's team is probably going to medal and gold medal, like knowing that that's on your shoulders to get through those prelims. Yeah, it's a little nerve wracking, but it's a lot less nerve wracking now because I've done it before. I did it 2017. I did it 2019. So now I'm kind of like, oh, like I'm a vet at this at this point. So like, I remember my first time 2017, I was super, super nervous about it. And I think I ran second leg. So I was responsible for cutting in. And I was like, oh my gosh, Ooh. like, don't step out the lane, like not earlier. Like, I don't want to be the one to ruin it for everybody. Because like, you know, like you said, they are probably going to go win gold. So like, I don't want to be the one who messes that up. But at this point, and especially for Tokyo, it's very, um, I was really calm about it. So because I think I was one of the older people, which is so strange to say I'm only 26, but that was a really young team. And we did have a lot of people who that was their first senior team as a whole. So I wanted to make sure that I was like kind of calm and collected and was just like, we got it. Like we don't have to do anything crazy. We just like run the way we always know how to run and and it'll be fine. So. Hey friends, this episode of the podcast is supported by Koala Clip. Koala Clip is the best way to carry your phone on the go. It is such a simple approach. You just put your phone in the little pouch, you clip it to the back of your sports bra and you're good to go. It stays dry, whether you sweat a ton, whether you get rained on, and it's super easy to grab if you need to get your phone out and change your music, change your podcast. And now Koala Clip also has apparel. Their Ren sports bra is my favorite. It is super soft and comfortable, and it's only $39, which I think is pretty competitively priced for a high-quality, supportive, very comfortable sports bra. So you all can go to koalaclip.com and use the code ANOTHER for 10% off your order. That's koalaclip.com. Use the code ANOTHER for 10% off your order. All right, back to the show. What's your mindset difference from like relays and open races? Oh, man. Relays are a lot more fun for me. They're just fun. And it's like you have three other people to rely on. So it's not just you. Like, when it comes to relays, I don't know, something about having that baton in your hand, it's just a whole different mind switch. And it's like, I want to do my very best for these three other people because I know they're going to give me their best. And, you know, I said earlier, like, I don't really like team sports, <laughs> but I think for me, 
I still like the team aspect that track has. The relays are a chance to like have teammates and other people to rely on. So it's a lot more fun. And then when it comes to the open, it's one versus seven other women. Mm. Like you're in the fight kind of by yourself. It's like do what you can. And it's, it's just you, it's just you out there. Um, so, I mean, with that being said, it's like, yay, if you win, the attention's on you, but it's also like flip side, you don't do well. There's no one to blame, like, but yourself. So it's, it's definitely a diff- something just switches when you have a baton in your hand for whatever reason. So, you know, when you mentioned the, uh, for the four by four and college when you guys won the national championship and you said you weren't tired yet at the 200 mark. Yeah. I mean, the 400 is just like, it's such a hard distance because I mean, what distance isn't hard, but like (laughs) it's a sprint, but like it is such an endurance sprint. Mm -hmm. Do you ever, I mean, do you ever have that feeling where you're like not tired at the 200 other than that one race? I just (laughs) like rallying for that second 200 is just, I can't even imagine. Yeah. I mean, when I run it properly and I'm doing the race pattern, my coach wants me to do, (laughs) then I'm not tired at the 200. And yeah, I think it's just really a matter of being confident in your race plan and executing that the way that you're supposed to. So as long as that doesn't go out the window, then then it's a good day. It's just so crazy as a distance runner, because I'm just think, you just have to run the entire thing as fast (laughs) as you can. But obviously, like there is a pacing strategy. Yeah, for sure. No, for sure. Um, okay. So I like snuck around on your website and got mm-hmm. on your Goodreads, which had me really mm-hmm. exciting because I'm a big reader and I know you're a big reader. Yes. Um, so what was the, one of the books? Oh, you know what book you had read that I literally just read was that Colleen Hoover book. Yes. It was all over TikTok. So I had to. Oh, it was? <laughs> yes. What were people saying on TikTok? They were just saying like, oh, like, you'll never expect the ending, like, blah, 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 like, last few pages. And I was like, okay, like, I didn't know what the book was about. Because a lot of times I won't even read, like, the summary. I'll just, like, mm-hmm. take a recommendation or I don't know if I've heard people talk about it a lot. So I, like, was completely blind going into it. But I really loved it. I know people love her books. So so I read a second one after I read that one. Uh, Verity. I haven't heard of that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, her books are definitely, like... This is, is kind of embarrassing to say. There's a little too much sexy time in her books for me. Like, I feel a little bit uncomfortable You're sometimes. You're not wrong. <laughs> I was reading um, the Verity book on my front porch and my neighbor walked up and I was like, oh, <laughs> hey, <laughs> like, I hope you didn't read what I'm reading right now because she gets a little intense. Yeah, she definitely does. <laughs> What's your favorite kind of book to read, though? Uh, I love fiction. I'm definitely a fiction girl. I am always a sap for like a romance drama, like easily. I just, you know how it's going to add, you know how it's going to go. But like, I don't know. I love the story leading there and I'm, I'm 100% a sap. So like, I will always and forever stand like romance fiction novels. Okay. So keep that thought because I'm going to ask you your best, most recent book, but I'm also going to ask you like all time favorite. So okay get your wheels turning um (laughs) but let's uh let's close out here before I ask those questions what what did you um like what would you say your biggest lesson learned from your first Olympics was Ooh, that's good I think it's kind of similar to a lesson I've always had throughout my career 
is, I mean, in simple terms, it's like have fun. But mm-hmm. I think in deeper terms, I remember my coach pulled me aside um, one day and he was like, look around you. Like, you're here. Like, you are here. Like, this is, you know, another Olympics isn't guaranteed. It's not guaranteed for any of us. But he's like, you are here. Soak in this moment. Like, remember it and just be be present in this moment. So I think for me, it was like being present. Mm-hmm. And that's still something for me, like, through each meet that I need to take. Because it's like you're traveling all these different places you're getting to compete against all these like amazing people soak that in like don't take it as like this is pressure like I have to do this I have to do that like it's an opportunity and it's an honor to be here so like really just just enjoy that so that mindset shift is so important yeah definitely it, it really releases a lot of pressure I've tried to like stop looking at things as like oh I have to do this and like I get to mm-hmm. and it's an opportunity and I get to show everybody how hard I've been working in practice not I'm expected to do this and that but just just making it more lighthearted and, and taking off taking off the eyes yeah it's like you can be the best in the world and compete with the best in the world and work so hard mm-hmm. but the work is done and so now you get to like for lack of a better term, like play. Yeah, (laughs) pretty much, yeah. One of the other things I wanted to ask you about that I saw on your Instagram was the the Parity Now partnership that you have. Can you talk about that? Yeah, um, they are responsible for pairing female athletes with brands because we do not get paid enough as women and we don't get the recognition that we deserve. So they are stepping in to try to bridge that gap and connect us with brands and companies that want to support female athletes and want to give us other sponsorships opportunities outside of just competing. Uh, What did you go to school for? Business administration. Okay. So like long-term long game, what is your, like, do you have any sights on, like, when you do retire, which is not going to be anytime soon, I know. Um, we are talking to a person in their mid-20s. But do you have visions or thoughts for, like, what else you want to do off the track? Yeah. I was thinking about this last week because it keeps, there's so much that I want to do. And I'm very, like, oh, I see a problem. Like, I can fix it. Like, I can step in and, and do that role. So, like, Part of me wants to work in public policy for like the NCAA okay. and go make rule changes over there. The other part of me wants to work in marketing. Um, the other part of me wants to be an agent. So I don't know. Like there's so many like problems that like need to be fixed. And I'm like, well, if no one else is going to do it, then I'll just do it. Like I'll just do it myself. But I don't know. I need to like really narrow it down and like hone in on that. But I think. I'm leaning towards like public policy route because I did want to be a lawyer growing up. So I like still some rules and regulations involved in it, but I still get to be around the sport. I still get to like make an impact. So I think, I think that's where I'm headed. Is it too big of a question to ask like some of the problems you see that you want addressed? (laughs) (laughs) There's so many, there's so many of, I mean, I think the structure of our sport just has like, that's like an hour long conversation in and of itself. But like just the way the sport structure, the payment, the the power that the shoe companies have, there's just like so much that needs to be restructured and the power needs to be back in the mm-hmm. athlete's hands. But 
how we're going to fix that. I don't know how long it's going to take. Don't know, but I would love to see, I would love to see a, a change in our sport at some point, hopefully before I'm out of it. But that was a good little summary. I like it. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, I know this could ap- open up so many bags of worms, but <laughs> here we are. Um, all, right. all right. Well, what is something professionally or personally that you haven't done yet that you would like to do? I'm going to write a book. I definitely want to write a book when my career is all said and done. So that's my plan. I'm like dead set on it. I want to as much as I love reading. I, I need oh. to have my book. So, <laughs> Do you like to write too? Like do you journal or anything? I do. I used to write like a weekly blog for like Florida runners back in high school. And I still keep track of like everything everything monumental so I can like remember like my feelings in that moment and make sure that like I'm really capturing how I felt instead of just looking back years later um yeah big journal girl I have way too many like notebooks and and things and but yeah I love writing also I love the idea of that I don't always take time to do that but just like when big things in your life happen because you do look back on it differently than you felt about it in that moment because just like time has passed Yes, I read some stuff and I'm like, oh my gosh, like you swore the world is ending, but like, it, <laughs> look, you're fine. Like you're fine now, <laughs> but yeah. Oh, that's good. Um, okay, so here's bringing back that question that I told you to think about. Um, what is the best, most recent book you've read? Uh, I just finished one yesterday, Seven Days in June. Was it good? Yes, loved it. Love story, of course. But... Okay. Um. People keep recommending normal people to me. Oh. Have you read it? I haven't read it. It's a show now, isn't it? It's a or, show now. Yeah. Okay. No, I haven't read it. I feel like I have to read the book before I watch the yeah. show. Agreed. The only book I, I didn't read first. This is probably not true. Not the only book. The one, the big book that turned into a big show was Little Fi- Fires Everywhere. Uh, I did watch the show first and then I went back and I read the book. Yeah. Was it worth it to go back and read the book though? I loved it just because I like comparing the two. And I think, I mean, the book was of course better, but the endings were different. So I was like, okay. Oh, endings are different. Yeah. Yeah. Because I almost, especially a book like that, I almost always read the book first, but I just like, (laughs) I happened to be like scrolling on whatever platform it was on and I was like, oh, this is available. I guess I'll just watch it. And then. Now I can't get myself to bring myself to read the book because if I <laughs> if I ruin it with the show first, I usually don't go back to read the book. Mm-hmm. No, they were both really good. They're both really good in their own rights. So okay. I, um, and then so like, do you have like a list of like your all time favorites? Like, I mean, because you read a lot based on your I good do. reads. Like, do you read like a I book do. a week? I I <laughs> I just I don't know that's like my nighttime routine like once I'm done for the day I'm like I just I want to get in bed and I want to read my book so honestly I'll fly through them like quickly but then I have a phase where like I won't touch a book for like two months so yeah I think some of my like top top favorites Seven Days in June is now up there okay The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo Ooh, that's really a good one but yeah and now it's what it's gonna be a movie or a show I'm excited. is it yeah oh that's exciting I didn't know yeah. that. Um, also Daisy Jones and the six I kept hearing was going to be a series and I haven't that's yeah. the same author I haven't seen anything about it though yeah I think it's gonna be a show um I like autobiographies a lot as well so I really like the autobiography of Gucci Mane I like Ali Raisman's book okay one. so those are like my top 
my top go-to books. Uh, the autobiography of Gucci Mane is that's good. <laughs> I loved it. Like I thought it was so interesting. Like reading a book, like a lifestyle that I have no idea about. Like I can't relate. Like I didn't grow up like that. But it was just so intriguing. And it was just it was just really interesting. And I was like, oh, this is so different from my own lifestyle. Like I'm enjoying reading about it. Okay. Um, I always like for super, super famous people, I always get like nervous to read their autobiographies because I'm like, is this like how much of a ghostwriter did this? And I'm also mm-hmm. like, how much is like fluffed up? Like I always just like <laughs> worry that I'm going to, and it's like, is that really true? And, mm-hmm. um, but I still like, like I just picked up who's, oh, Andre Agassi. So random. I was like at Goodwill and I saw the book and I was like, I guess I'll get this because it's, you know, a dollar ninety nine. Why not? Um, but I'm already like nervous going into it. Like, will all of it be true? I don't know. <laughs> um, who is someone fun, motivating, or inspiring that you would like to have coffee, tea, or cocktail with? Ooh, I think I'm gonna say Zendaya. Mm. I don't know. Like, she's super pretty. First of all, and then just like, I don't know. I just feel like. She's just cool people. So I'd want to sit down and like see what she has to say. <laughs> Have you watched Euphoria? Of course. I So I haven't watched it. <laughs> Is it so it's good? A lot. It's a lot, but I enjoyed it. Like I'm, I'm, I watch way too much TV. So like I will watch probably anything and everything. What are you binging right now? Um, man, what am I watching? It's the last season of This Is Us. So oh my gosh, I, you've hung on this far. Yes, it's so good. I love it. I love it. So I'm watching that. And then I'm a big YouTube girl. I really, really okay. love YouTube. Like I will probably click on YouTube before I click on Netflix. To what do you it. watch on YouTube? It's so embarrassing. It's like those, it's just blogs. <laughs> it's like other people's lives. I don't know why I'm so invested, but I am. I just like, I don't know. It's like, I'm not doing anything, but I want to watch them go to the grocery store. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying to like come to peace with YouTube with my kids because like I'm, I've been so anti it, but like anytime mm-hmm. I walk upstairs and they're watching it, they're usually just watching like kids pranking other kids yeah. or like, like yesterday it was like these kids like trying to stay up all night. I don't know. It's like, I've never walked in and it be something that felt like really inappropriate, even though I know there's very inappropriate stuff. And I'm like, maybe it's okay. You know? (laughs) Yeah. No, love it way too much. There's really like everything there. So. Okay. So you're telling me my kids are going to be okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. Cool. Well, what is your last message to leave with our audience today? I just want to say it's super cliche, but. I don't care. I think it's important. Just have fun. I think we're getting into a time of like, there's, you know, athletes are doing like phenomenal things and especially like young athletes are doing like crazy things. And I don't want anyone to get caught up in being like, oh, I haven't done that yet. Or like, I need to do this. Like, have fun. It's okay to be in high school. It's okay to do all four years of college. Like, it's okay. You don't have to. Your path is your path and you don't have to do what anybody else is doing and it doesn't diminish your talent. It doesn't diminish how good you are. So have fun. Enjoy the sport for what it is. Get everything you can out of it. Have fun with your teammates um, and just enjoy. Keep it, keep it light. Keep it light. 
I love it. Thank you, Kendall. No, thank you. All right, everybody. Thanks for being here today. Thank you, Kendall, for coming on the podcast. You all can find Kendall, Kendi, K-E-N-D-I underscore Kendall on Instagram. You can find me personally. I'm Lindsay Hine 626 over there at Lindsay Hine on Twitter. And we have a great Facebook group where we support each other and ask questions. And it is super fun. You just search. I'll have another podcast on Facebook and you can find us. Uh, Friends, thanks for being here. I hope you're having a great day and hope you have a wonderful weekend. And as always, we'll see you next week on I'll Have Another.